So think back, friends, when you were nine or 10 years old, what your vision of the world was. What were you thinking at that point? Playing in the neighborhood, building forts in the woods. I mean, what does a nine and 10 year old do? Play, learn. Well, you're gonna meet a brink thinker today, somebody, a young lady who uh, was thinking a little differently at nine or 10 years old. And, I, and I've been racking my brain over the last few minutes and thinking, well, how was I thinking at nine or 10? What was I thinking about? Was I thinking about homeless people? Probably not. Was I thinking about people being hungry? Probably not. Knowing when to break through the boundaries of average to question the unquestionable is the sign of greatness. It's those moments when you get to the absurd stage that things truly get interesting. Now the world is in need of a new generation of leaders, leaders who have the courage to break through the boundaries and question everything around them. Well, society is yearning for bold and enthusiastic women and men to provide the necessary leadership that will be required for the next leap forward. The journey to get to the brink can be unpredictable, but knowing you're at the brink, pure genius, my friends. Today, we are on the brink of greatness. Our brink thinker today, Emily Kuska. Why at nine or 10 years old was you thinking about the homeless or the hungry or what, what brought that all to your world at that point? To be honest, I never thought of it as a big thing. I um, grew up in the church going with my grandma and one weekend she asked me if I wanted to go volunteer to feed the homeless and it started there. Um, we went every weekend and it was so your, your grandmother just asked you uh, in that way, how, how old was your grandmother at that point? Was she an older woman or younger? She, I guess younger for a grandmother. I was the um, first grandchild. Okay. And, and so she asked her that and you said, sure, and you went. And what was that experience like that first time? Oh, a long time ago. But so we go to this church and we prepare hot dogs and coleslaw and beans and folding napkins and forks, which is my job because I wasn't old enough to cook yet. Right. And then we go to downtown Raleigh and a line of 200 people line up, kids and adults. And seeing the difference of where they're living versus where I'm living and what they're eating versus what I was eating was incredible to me and something I really couldn't fathom. I was surprised. I remember writing down how many hot dogs we actually passed out because it was such a grand number in just two hours. And amazed me. So you noticed the differences of the lifestyle of those people in comparison to yourself. I mean, you noticed there was something totally different. Oh, 100%. And, and at that, all right, so that was the first experience with your grandmother. It was just yourself and your grandmother, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so then what happens next? I mean, I mean that event goes by, and then do you go to another one with her, or what, what takes place after that? Yeah, so for fourth and fifth grade, which is around 2011, we went and fed the homeless um, monthly with our church and just kept that up and I love doing it. Um, now, what, now hold on. Why did you love doing it? Tell me why, why you say that. I love making other people happy. Mm -hmm. There like, it is. Their smiles made me happy. It, it was a great, great feeling that I had. So you were, you were really getting the endorphins from all of that. That was sort yeah, of a, yeah. yeah, that was really cool then. And you liked, you liked that touch and being able to, well, I guess really it's about impacting somebody's life at that point, isn't it? Oh, it is. Loved it. But, but what's, in, 
what's different about it is though, is that you have that awareness at nine or 10 years old. I mean, that's not normal. And let me ask you within your sphere of influence back then at nine or 10, were there other kids around that had that same sense? Did you have friends or anybody that was thinking in the same line as you were? Not at all. No, no one came with me. It wasn't any of my friends. It was just me and I love doing it. Not even my church friends would come do it with me. Um, just me and my grandma every time. So there was something about that that was that was talking to you, Emily. I mean, right? Something was talking to you. Something must have been, but at nine years old, I wasn't really thinking about that. I was thinking right. how I was changing people, I guess. Right, right. All right. So this now this keeps going on with you and your grandmother. And then what's the next big pivotal point in this program? Right. So we fed the homeless with Bread of Life for a while. Um, I guess it was around 2012, maybe. She was in some sort of group that was running a food drive. Your um, grandma, your grandmother was in this yeah, group. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and let me just say, hold on. So this went on where you were doing these occasional uh, food drives for what? A year and a half, two years, a couple years? Uh, yeah. Fourth and fifth okay. grade-ish. Okay. So she was, my grandma was part of a group that decided to run a food drive and she lives in Pittsburgh. So it's very, very rural. She lived on the farm. She had like two neighbors and she was unable to ask many people for food. So since I lived in a neighborhood with 300 people, she asked if I would like to pass out some bags to a couple of my neighbors. And I was like, sure. And I took my little wagon and I dropped a bag on every single porch and wrote a little letter just asking for food to donate to this food drive. So you were collecting food from the, in the neighborhood from all those people. Right. Right. And with that letter, how much food did you collect? What happened? It was, I don't know the exact number, but about 800 pounds. I mean, that's a fair amount of food. It was a lot. And we actually raised, it was like the second most amount in the, her group of people, um, which was a little bit of a challenge to me because I was like, all right, next year I want to raise even more than the other person did. So you, you were telling yourself that, in other words. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was already ready to do it again after I'd finished the first Well, year. you were obviously excited about it. I mean, you were clearly yeah, excited yeah. about right, the whole process. It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, so, and, and this is, so I like this idea of the door to door thing and the notes you were leaving to collect the food you, and you were moving the food back and forth with your wagon. <laughs> no, actually my mom has a minivan and she, we went around, so she'd put all her seats down in the back. So it was basically like a big truck and we would fill in the food there and then we'd take trips back and forth. So your mom helped you at that point. She did. Yes. What did your mom think about it? What did she, what did she say? Do you remember? I don't remember anything she said, actually. I just know, now looking back, it's just what we did. It wasn't a crazy thing to me. It was just what we did as a group, as a family at that point. Because um, my siblings were old enough to help, so they were kind of required to help me out with it. You, you mean your, your siblings? Yes, yeah. Uh, how many siblings do you have? I have a brother and a sister. They were, I guess, since I was maybe 11 at the time, my sister was around eight, so my brother was five. So they're younger than you. You're the oldest in the family. Okay. And, and, and so they were learning from you as well, right? Yeah. 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 And how, how involved, did they get involved over the, over the time period or what happened? Did... Um, they did not enjoy it as much as I did. <laughs> uh, actually, it was more of a thing they were forced to do. Like I needed help and they were the ones who helped me. Per my parents. Oh boy. Helping big sister out, right? <laughs> so... It's good for people, but they did not. So you were making your younger brother and sister do all this work and you were being uh, the older sister and they were, well, actually they were being more normal, weren't they? 
You were, definitely. Yeah, and you were not, right? <laughs> you, That's what I did. It wasn't, it was not normal. Yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you, uh, and as this story develops and as folks get to hear what you're doing now and creating this not-for-profit and the work you're doing, I'm still, it's astounding to really understand what the driving mechanism in you was with all of this. Uh, have you ever stopped to really think of it? Is it just something in, that's burning in your soul or something that you think that you're supposed to do? As you say, you keep saying, well, it's just the way it is. I just thought it was or but it is highly unusual, isn't it? It is, and I, I have thought about that a lot. Like, okay, what, what, what's the point? Why? Why do I do this? But my mom always said, like, it's always been my goal from the time I was a baby to make people happy. I'd be sitting in a stroller, staring with someone down, so they smiled, and I would smile back. And uh -huh. it's just, it just who is it's who I am. And your mom reminded you of that. You're saying, yeah, she did, because she knew who you were. She, she knew. Yeah, it's hard for me looking back saying why, but she's watched me grow and she remembers these things better than I do. So has right. a whole different look than I do on it. Of course she would, yeah, as you're going through it all. So, all right, so you're 12 years old, you do this drive, you collect all the food, your mother's bringing it back and forth. Uh, and then, and where, how does the food go from there? Where do you, you bring it into the church and they distribute it? So we actually decided to bring it to the food bank of Central and Eastern North Carolina. Oh yeah, cool. Um, it's about 30 minutes away from us. And I wasn't sure how it would work. I was really excited. Uh, so we took the minivan over and we dropped it off. And I got to see them unpacking it and weighing it and um, just loading it onto the shelves, which is really cool because I kind of got to see it put somewhere, um, knowing it would actually go to people. Right. And a food bank is very much like... Um it's a very basic supermarket kind of thing. It's oh. in a, usually they're in a warehouse kind of thing, right, Emily? Yeah, it was, it was a giant warehouse full of food. It's usually a warehouse set in, and they're usually on like racked shelves or wood or metal shelves, right? That kind of thing? Oh, with food in it, basically. With food, yeah, yeah. But, but that's really what a food bank is at that point, and their job is people some, – now, sometimes people will come into the food banks and get food that way when they qualify, or they distribute it in other means, right? So there are many ways they do it. So this food bank is getting the food in from all different places and they're distributing it. And so, all right, so that's that first big drive where you're collecting food. The idea of going around and, and putting those notes on all the homes and collecting the food, where does that idea come from? You, I guess, it was just where I started. Like, how else? But I mean, did anybody tell you about it or did you just, I mean, how do you, what did you just do it or you? I, I think I just wanted to do the most, like, why only pass out 10 bags if you can pass out 300? I'm an able body, um, and if you ask, people will give. It, it, you now, hold on, what you just said is important. If you ask, people will give, right? Yeah, totally. It, you make the, this is the easiest thing for them to do. They have to put food on their porch. That's it. You see, but that's a great lesson for everybody. What you just said at 12 years old, if you realize, if, if you can already realize that at 12, I mean, Emily, there are people that are 22, 32, 52, or 72 who never realize that lesson. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that you say, well, if you just really ask, people will want to give. And I think you're right. There's something to that. If you just, someone said to me the other day, well, you just need to ask. You need to ask for help or you need to ask. And I guess that's what it is sometimes, isn't it? Mm, totally. Yeah. yeah, and I think sometimes when a kid comes to your neighborhood and they're asking for food, you, mm -hmm. there's this feeling because you see it's a young kid and you want to help. 
because you see that they're doing good. That's a good point, Kev. There's yeah. something about younger a younger person that's doing that, right? That's providing that service. That's, yeah, it's like, you know, the Girl Scout cookies or Boy yeah. Scouts that come by, you do it. Mm-hmm. But as they get older, you know, if somebody knocks on your door who's trying to sell siding, you're like, okay, get out of here. You know, but right. if it's a kid, you just have the, your, your, uh, your reaction to want to help is, it comes yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, and and that's true. Um, Emily, I read somewhere in the notes somewhere, I don't recall, that uh, when you were nine or 10 and you were uh, trying to help in some capacity, that somebody or something pointed out to you that you were just a kid or they didn't want you to get involved. Would you elaborate on that? Yeah, so it actually started in my first couple years of feeding the homeless. Um, we'd be in downtown Raleigh and I'd be too young to be in the truck handing out the hot food or I wouldn't be old enough to talk to the people. The only job I could have is passing out forks and napkins or passing out cookies. Right. And that was it. And the impact that I was able to give those people is a five seconds, 10 seconds of helping them. And so the whole, like, you're too young, I feel like kids are more able-bodied, more willing, wanting to help. And they put so many restrictions were put on me that like, I could have, I could have done it, but you you felt you could have done more. Oh, totally. I could have done so much more. Well, the reason I bring that up even, and I think it's an interesting juxtaposition is when Kevin points out that uh, about the age factor and that as a young person, when you're out there collecting donations or asking for help, people tend to want to give or help the young person that's trying to do good, right? You'll agree with that, Emily. And typically that's an advantage, but I got to tell you, there's a big, bigger disadvantage at times to being younger at that point where there's nine, 10 or 15. And that is because when you're younger, you don't get the respect. You don't have the experience, Emily, right? So you don't get the respect. And so what was happening with you at that age, you weren't getting the respect because you were just a kid. You see what I mean? You know, but that's something interesting to focus on. Don't you think? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Maybe you were at a different point than what some people would think. But it's funny how age in our lives and throughout our lives, when we're younger, we don't get the respect in our lives. And even in our 20s, we don't get the respect. Respect happens over time. Typically, I'm saying in normal situations, it happens over years, Emily, you know, many years later. And as you get older and you get more wisdom, you that respect typically comes with it. But as young folks, you don't always get the respect. They sometimes don't know why you're in it, maybe, or they just think maybe you don't have the experience, Emily, you know? Yeah, experience or knowledge or ability. The knowledge. Like you wouldn't know what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. That kind of a thing, yeah. And I can see where that's a problem. So on that flip side of what Kevin says a moment ago, that's what's different about that. Uh, Age has a factor of playing differently as this is well in all of our lives really um you know i i often think about as you get older in life and you definitely get older and you get smarter and more wisdom and what have you then a lot of people their you know their bodies fail or their health and what have you and they get all this wisdom and well sometimes we lose a jump in our steps people do and i'm not speaking about present company here but mind you but uh, there are times one loses a jump in their step at a certain age yeah and 
right? But yet they have the wisdom and the knowledge and what have you. So there, there, it is something interesting how life carries us all through it. I'm, I'm never lost on that. But I do find it interesting as a young person, you're wanting to help and they're telling you you're too young or you shouldn't do it. There's another thing too, Emily, did you ever find that many of the adults were worried or concerned because you were a young girl and you were dealing with homeless people and maybe they thought that homeless people were dangerous? Yeah, I actually had someone, I forget his yeah. name, but he would stand with the kids um, to make yeah. sure safe and let me ask you this further uh, straight out are homeless people dangerous everyone can be dangerous they being homeless doesn't make you more or less dangerous than someone who has a home that's exactly yeah that's what i wanted to hear you say yeah so, yeah. so that's not necessarily uh that's right it's not necessarily a um a claim that one is dangerous because of that so we're assuming things i think Society assumes certain things, Emily. You know that, right? Yes. We assume a lot. And we really don't know. And, of course, it comes back to judging. How do we judge somebody when we haven't walked in their moccasins, right? Yeah. But that's a valuable lesson of life, period. Yeah, and and it's true because sometimes if you see somebody who's not, you know, dressed nicely or clean or the hair is combed right, right, your first reaction is they must be dangerous. But then there's the person down the street who's clean and that, you know, and they're the, they're the worst of the worst. So, you know, you're right. It's like you said, Malcolm, it's judging people. And in fact, we don't know. Yeah, yeah things are not always what they appear, Kev. They're not always what they appear at all. In fact, I know some really, really wealthy people who look like bums. <laughs> I mean, you would never know it. And they come across that way. And that's the way they want to look. It's probably, well, it's obviously their choice, you see. Well, uh, yeah. and you, you would take them as not having any money or any wherewithal, but yet they got lots. They got more than you got, and you would never know it. <laughs> yep, it's like my father-in-law. He wears cowboy boots, and he just kind of wears jeans and a, and a T-shirt, but he's a lot more successful than I've ever been. So. Well, see, that, and that's, there's, so, now there's, big, there's so much to what we're talking about, right? Just want to just slow it down just a second. Everybody grab on to that because – we're judging people again based on looks or style of life or things they're saying. And things are not always in life what they appear to be. In fact, oftentimes they're not what they appear to be. And that's a lesson I, I hope you all take from this program initially today, folks, because there's a lot of truth to that. I remember people saying, well, but that, that, that let me give you an example. People would say, oh, but they live in a big house. Do you see the house they live in? Well, yeah, that means they got a larger mortgage and they're busted broke. I mean, what the hell does that mean, you know? Or that company has got a huge plant. I mean, they're rolling it. They're not rolling it. They got more debt than they know what to do with. So things are not always what they appear to be. And I think that's what it is. And even as a young child, a young person, it's not always what it appears to be. Sometimes uh, things are a little different. The packaging is different. Maybe we should judge less and look at things a little bit differently in life, maybe, and have an open mind. That's not easy to do, though, Emily. You know, it's not, it's easy to say this stuff. In fact, it's far easy to get on here on the mic and pretend we know it all, but it's, it's more difficult as human beings to practice this stuff, honestly, because it, it makes a big difference in things. Well, interestingly, it it goes on friends, this story here with Emily, uh, the, the group is called front porch leaders, front porch leaders. It's, I think the story is, uh, an eye opener when you see what a nine or 10 year old can do and, I mean, how many of you at nine and 10 were thinking about feeding the homeless or the hungry? Exactly. There's not a lot of show of hands out there, is there? You You know, know, I was worried about what was the next baseball or basketball game. I didn't even think about the homeless. I was just out there playing all the time. 
which is what most people do at that point. They're out there playing at that age. And uh, Emily had different plans. She had different ideas, different thoughts. She wanted to make a difference. Friends, we're going to pick that up on the other side of this pause. Be back with the brink in just a moment. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world, to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. We're back on the brink of greatness, friends, with Emily Kuska. It's Malcolm Out Loud here with Kevin Williams and uh, Front Porch Leaders is the, uh, the organization I want to talk to you about just ahead. It's a not-for-profit uh, that was created in 2016. Uh, it feeds the homeless and uh, and working on another opportunity as well. We'll get into some of those opportunities with Emily in just a moment. But as the story up front, as you hear, at uh, 19 years old, Emily was out with her grandmother and decided she was going to collect food in the neighborhood and collect all these this food. I mean, we're talking lots of food, hundreds and hundreds of pounds of food. And that's where it started. Emily, after that first time, and you did all that at 12, and this thing was now escalating, where does it take off at that point from 12 to what? When does this all really come to your mind where you think, wow, I want to really do this in my life. This is what I want to do in my life. It was around 2013, which actually had nothing to do with the food drive. Um, I went on a mission trip to Kentucky, also with my grandma. She has a lot of influence in these things. And we ran a children's camp, a literacy camp. Awesome. Um, rural kids from Kentucky and it was great you know the kids didn't help you do some arts and crafts you do some math but there was one specific girl her name was Carrie she came in the first day attached to her grandma she was crying would not let go of her grandma was trying to get to work like it was it was sad to see but she came in and I took her away and we went to go do the first activity and throughout the week we built with her confidence and we built her self-esteem. She, she could do a lot. She was a very, very smart kid and you just couldn't see that the first day. Um, we learned about her situation, how her grandma had pancreatic cancer, her parents were in jail and she'd never met, like it was crazy. Her whole family situation was crazy, but she was a smart girl. And anyway, throughout the week, we had instilled so much confidence in her that I knew that's what I wanted to do every single day for the rest of my life. So, so that was the turning point out of Kentucky. That was it. That was the turning point for my life. Like I, I knew it. I didn't know the job. Wow. You know, where I'd be, but I knew like, I want this feeling. I don't care what the money is. I don't care what the, I don't care. I, I want to do this and I want to help kids in this way. Um, so I go back to Carrie and I'm doing this food drive mm -hmm. and I went on for, it was 2013 then, 2014. We tried running a clothing drive, but it wasn't as successful because I felt the clothes um, kind of wore out quicker than the food did. The food could last a little bit longer for the amount we could get. And this is when 2016 came along and I started inviting other kids to join me. So, and that was in 2016 you were doing that. So I, um, had invited my neighborhood, the next door neighborhood, I guess. So the reserve 
joined with us. They all sat about 300 houses and I had a couple kids help out. They were much younger, maybe like six, seven, and they would, they helped pass out the bags. Um, but again, they're kids who just want to play around outside and throughout the process of them helping, they were able to see how much they could actually achieve on their own. We didn't have parents help. Like they drove the cars, but the kids were running the food drive. Um, which is actually when I decided to make it a nonprofit. So, and and how old are you at this point, please? Uh, fifteen, maybe. So you're, you're so you're fifteen years old at that point when you decide to make it into a five hundred one c three. Is that correct? Yes. So okay, now let me ask you something else. Your your grandmother. I want to talk about her just a moment. What is her first name, please? It's Kathy. Kathy, thank you. And and now she's been an inspiration to you, yeah. Yeah, in ways I didn't realize until. Mm -hmm. recently. Now, is, is Grandma Kathy, is she involved in the uh, Front Porch Leaders? Not right now, no. She lives a little too far away. She does. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, so, but she's been an inspiration. Why, uh, the relationship you had with your grandmother, now when that happened, did, she did you live close by with her at that time? No, she's always lived in Pittsburgh, but since we went to church weekly, I got to see her every week. So we were still close enough. To do okay. Things. All right. And, and w there's just what a, a synergy or a connectivity with you both. It just, we enjoyed doing the same things. Okay. All so right. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I just want to do a shout out to grandma Kathy. Everybody, yes. Right. I mean, she's part of the story here, right? Yeah. And it's weird because it was just kind of always what we did. And now mm -hmm. looking back at it, um, it's crazy how much she influenced what I want to do because if it weren't for her, I, I would have no clue. Would well, she obviously enjoyed doing this with her granddaughter as well. It was a, obviously this was a high for her to be able to do this in such a way and share it with her family. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to guess with the Kentucky trip and the, the, the church drives and all this, um, with your family of siblings and your mom and dad, others, was she, were you the only one that really connected with grandma Kathy in this way? In this way, yes. She had relationships with my other family, but no one else wanted to do the same things we wanted to do. So right. So that's what I'm saying. So there was a connectivity yeah. and a synergy here yeah. Yeah. that clearly was, uh, was amazing. And, and that's really cool. How, how proud is she of you at this point? She's got to be smiling. Yeah, over the moon. Yeah. I mean, she's got to be really happy to see how this thing has been going. Yeah? Yeah. 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 Now, can I assume at this point, uh, I mean, and I don't want to assume anything, so let me just clarify, please. Yeah. Is, is this your lifelong, is this your ambition ahead? Is this your journey? Is this your mission? Honestly, I do not know. I, I know, again, the feeling I want, and I know that I want to have this sort of thing in my life, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure where I'll end up in five years, ten years with this. Okay. Actually, since so the mission of the, the nonprofit is to give opportunities to kids under the age of 18. So they like leadership opportunities, volunteer opportunities that they couldn't have without it um, since they're kids. And since I'm 18 now, technically, it's not my job to run the food drive. It's not my job. It's not my role anymore. Um, so this coming fall, I'm actually passing it down to a girl named Molly. So she's about 10, so about the same age I was, and she's gonna start running it all over again. So she'll start until she's hopefully 18, hopefully then she'll pass it down. Um, 
so you're talking here about the food drive part of it and feeding yeah. the homeless and all that. Now, is that, the, let me understand something here because you just made a big, big leap here. Yeah. And the, the, um, the part of the food drive and all of that, is that any part of front porch leaders or is front porch leaders just the point which you just opened up a whole nother door uh, right. for all of us in the fact that the real mission of front porch leaders is, is to teach the generation here, uh, I would assume, uh, understanding responsibilities and opportunities to be leaders, right? Yeah. So actually, I'll go back a little. So it's 2016, and I formed the, the nonprofit, and I can officially do stuff on my own. I'm not doing it through the church anymore since I have my own 501c3 number. And when I'm creating this, I have to think of a mission statement, right? So I had to decide, do I want the food drive to be the project of front porch leaders um, or do I want it to be just a separate, a, a part of it, not the entire thing. So when creating the name, even it was originally going to be front porch food drive and that's what it was going to be. That was going to be the nonprofit. But as I went on thinking, I talked with my mom a lot. We decided that it, it's only going to be a project and I could have so many more opportunities for kids to, to have this confidence, to have these leadership skills, which is a part of the, I think it's the food drive's part of it, but it's not the whole thing. So it's part of it, but not the entire mission. The, the bigger mission now is, are the kids, the generation you're yeah. working with, right? Yes. And that bulb came on later on in the 2016-2017 era. Yeah. 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 So it's much more recent. And then, and now that's become, so t tell me how many kids are involved in, in this and what the what, what you're doing uh so last year 2018 around november we had three neighborhoods participate um it was highcroft my neighborhood and i had me my siblings so that's three and then a couple of the kids it's about five from my neighborhood right. um then we had the reserve who we had previously and it was about five from their neighborhood ish um, and then we did Cary Park, which is a neighborhood down the street from ours. It has about 600 houses in it. So we're doubling and maybe another five kids from there, siblings, friends that I know. So it's about 15 participating. Okay. okay. Um, and, but technically if you count all those houses, it's 1200 families. It's plus. So even though they may not directly be involved in the nonprofit side of it currently, they're involved in the food drive itself and they're all helping to donate these, this 4,000 pounds of food we ended up raising. 4,000 pounds of food. Yeah. And that all got to the food bank again. That actually, so last year was the first year I, or second year I switched. Sorry, let me go back. So 2017, I think the Salvation Army had run out of food. They had nothing on their shelves, so we donated to them. And then this past year, we donated to Western Weight Crisis Ministry. So you started, wait a minute, now you started donating to different places then. Yeah, so I found that after doing this for so many years, the food bank had a lot of food. Okay. And our hundreds of pounds made a difference, but it wasn't enough that I could see it. Like, I could, but... I wanted to do even more than that. So we went to the Salvation Army who had no food on their shelves and we stocked their shelves. And then... And why did they have no food? Do you know? I forget. It was... Okay. I just remember it was a bad season or there was a lot Something of Something happened? Or, okay. All right. Yeah. It was, it was a big deal, but we helped the local one fix that. Okay. Um, and then 
again, through my grandma, she had met someone named Beth and she's the executive director at the Western Weight Crisis Ministry. And I had set up a meeting with her and we kind of just talked because um, their organization is a food pantry as well as financial assistance, helping with housing and a couple other resources. Um, and she was really interested in what I was doing. And so she was there to kind of mentor me on the nonprofit side of things, what I could be, how I could do stuff. Because I really, although I had my parents there to help me with the nonprofit side, they're not experts and not I need sure. a little help figuring out what I was going to do with it. So we talked a little bit and I figured out a little bit of a plan, um, how I want to run it, but essentially we ended up donating our food to them. So people come in and literally grocery shop at their um, now, what does it take for somebody to come into one of those places and, like you say, literally gro- grocery shop? What are the qualifications for one to to be provided that food? Do you know? Uh, from what I believe, it's you can come in once a month. I think you have to be registered with them, but okay. it's not a long process. And, um, and so they must have some sort of a qualifying mechanism, yeah? There must be something. I did never gotten the specifics of that with her, though. But but obviously they want to qualify that these families really need it. I would think. Yeah. Oh, they definitely. They're a very well run organization. They definitely have that. Right. Right. So you're distributing food with the other organizations and stuff, and so then you start to make the change. Why all of a sudden do you go? I still am not understanding. Why did we go from a food drive to how do we help all these other kids? And like, where does this become sort of a uh, almost a teaching exercise? Right. I think. Honestly, again, I'm looking back at it. So to me, it had just kind of formed. Um, Looking back, it must have been I was getting older and I saw my problems that I had when I was younger and I was ready to open those opportunities up to other kids. And you just felt that other kids should be involved? Yeah, I felt that other kids deserve the same opportunity. And although I was willing and able and had the idea to start my own thing, I didn't think other kids would be able to do that. So okay. I wanted to give them the same chance I had without them having to start their own. And that's gone over well enough. So, uh, so with these kids that have now gotten involved, what, what is, so what is the vision of that become? So with front porch leaders, and when you say that Molly now is going to take over the food drive part of it, what will your role and responsibility be with the organization? So I'm currently the executive director of the nonprofit itself. But I haven't gotten really far with it. I've actually been in a very, like, I have, I'm kind of stuck, honestly. I've been dealing with other, I'm working at the Y, I'm getting ready to go to college, and the nonprofit's been here, and it's been part of it, but it's never been expanded to where I want it to go. So this fall, I'll be an EC scholar at ECU, and the opportunity that I've been given allows me to work directly with the Boys and Girls Club, other nonprofits in the area. And I'm hoping that once I'm there, they can help show me how to actually start this nonprofit up to be as big as I want it to be. Okay. I got it. All right. So now we're talking about it's, there's a lot of unknowns at this point, obviously, Emily, right? with what happens next and where it goes next or what it really becomes. So what's interesting about, I think, the story thus far is that everything has sort of happened in a very natural state. I mean, it's not been, it doesn't sound to me like anything's been forced or pushed or like there was some big vision ahead. You've done it from the basis of need, I guess. There's a need and you provided the need. Yes, exactly. Right? 
And so you provided the need and, and now with, with the kids. So let's, let's talk about the possibilities of this now with a lot of the kids. The, the, some of the other kids that are involved, uh, are they, are they uh, wanting to be more involved? I, I, what I'm wondering is, is there um, excitement within the, the, the kids themselves to want to be involved, to want to do more with front porch leaders? Are you sensing any of that, I wonder? I haven't sensed as much as I hoped. I so see. I have I mom, see. and I have her, and she's fantastic. She's willing to do everything she needs to do, and I think she'll grow it to be another great food drive. However, a couple of the other ones, they're kind of like my siblings, right? Like their parents like, oh, this is cool. You should do it. So I really have to find those kids who are willing to put in the work and who want to do something like this because it is a, it's a huge job. There's an educational component to this, I'm saying, with the kids. Yeah. Uh, and maybe part of it is almost becomes a teaching exercise where they're taught uh, the needs when we talk about homelessness or we talk about uh, the hungry, uh, things of this nature. Uh, I mean, do you spend any time, uh, what I'm wondering, uh, there are a lot of facts and figures and data points out there about the plight of millions in the country. Have you ever thought about bringing some of that information in to educate more of the kids and what have you in the organization? I haven't, but that's a fantastic idea. I put the statistics of Wake County's um, homeless slash hunger, hungry families mm -hmm. in our letter every year, but I've never thought to bring it to the actual organization itself. Again, I've been stuck, you know, it's a busy time and I'm, I'm kind of at a point where I need a little bit extra support from people who know more than I do. Well, you're trying to figure out what it's going to be, obviously. I love the name Front Porch Leaders. I mean, it's, it's a great name. That's the name of the 501c3, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, can people, do, do they just donate food or money or how does that work? Currently, it's just food, and I've been trying to keep money out of it because I haven't had to buy anything. It's, um, we go into Harris Teeter or local grocery stores, and since I have the nonprofit number, they can just donate to us. But as it gets bigger, I hope to be able to buy our own bags and possibly sponsorships or something, but we have not needed money, so we haven't asked for money just to not involve that component of it. Have you ever thought about expanding it outside of just your neighborhoods? Because, you know, there's, I mean, I'm sure either through Facebook or somewhere to get the word out, because there's other areas like, you know, we had an interview with Rodney who's actually raising kids to help others through cutting grass for the elderly and, you know, veterans and widows. And, and he's reached out to like through Facebook and now he's across the country. Oh, wow. Well, at one point... <laughs> I was thinking it, it never actually happened, but we were hoping to mail out like little tiny cards um, to get it started. And we were hoping to have start with Wake County because it's Wake County is very large. We were hoping to start with just neighborhoods there and doing little competitions against each other. And so that's why I started with just the three I have now, just to see how it could work the best way. And I was trying to get the, system of how you do run the food drive itself like perfect so i could give it to someone and they could just do it on their own without me having to. so you wanted to create more of an organization sort of a uh, that's interesting and i see and i want to talk about that in just a moment here about the steps that are that it takes to organize a food drive which i think is what you're speaking about emily which really yeah, becomes yeah. into the organizational part of this and how you take so in other words 
if you're going to do something at any level, you've got to have systems in place. There has to be a system to it, you know, S yeah. system, yeah, systemization. And so to create this organization, that's important. And you've done that with the food drive piece of it, which I assume with all of that now, you'll be showing Molly how to do that as you yeah. move forward now with the organization. Let's do this. Let's we'll pause right here. We'll pick up these. You have five steps into the organization of a food drive. Let's talk about that on the other side of the sports. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multi-nutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Friends, we're back on the brink of greatness here. It's Malcolm Out Loud with Kevin Williams. Front Porch Leaders now is the organization. Let me give the website to everybody. It's FrontPorchLeaders.org. It's easy enough. Now, Emily now is 18 years old, uh, so it's been a little bit since then. Uh, and, uh, and and as she said, she's the executive director of the 501c3, but also now she's got her college in front of her and other things in front. Now she's trying to determine what is she going to do with this. Before we turn into that part of the conversation, Emily, let's talk about one more thing with the food drives and, and Molly, uh, and then we can expand from there. Now, you we talked about systems in, in place, and in order to do a, a successful food drive, You've got to have a system and you've got to have some organization to it. Bring us through these five steps, you call it, uh, of how one goes about organizing a food drive. All right. So once you first start your food drive, the first thing you have to do is ask your parents for permission. Of course, it's a kid's food drive and it's all run by the kids. But since people aren't adults yet, we do have to have some restriction on, or not even restriction, some regulation to keep sure everyone's safe um so kids have to register with their food drive with their parents permission what does register mean like is it with the state is it with the it's with us so they register on, do they do that online emily yeah through you can email me and we're trying to start something where you can see every food drive that's being run at the same time or throughout the year and who's raising how much we're trying oh, very cool is that yeah. it, wait a minute can you see that online you mean we, we're trying to get there. So we're okay. hoping to have people register online so that you can see the past events or the current events or who's doing what. And how many food drives in a given year are the plans to do ahead? I do one a year. However, I'd like to have as many as possible because it takes about a month total to do the food drive, but you're only doing stuff for a couple of days. So it's not difficult and it's not a lot of time but I always do it around November when people are shopping for Thanksgiving, so you're already at the store. 
So now to become a teaching organization and to teach the kids now, so back to the steps here. So the first step is they register with you and say, okay, they have permission to do a food drive. Go ahead. What happens there? The next step is to visit their local grocery store. So mine's always been Harris Teeter. And you go up and you ask for the number of bags you need. So if your neighborhood has 300 houses, you might want to ask for 320 just to make sure you have enough. So you get brown paper bags, just sample bags. So you get those from the grocery store. Yes. And they will donate them to you with the 501c3 number that you provide them. Okay. I didn't know that. So that all comes from the grocery store. Very cool. Very cool. So do you just talk to the manager of the store and they... So it was, it was really easy then. So when you first did it, you just walked in, talked to the manager. He said, no, no problem. Here's 300 bags. Well, the first time it was very scary because I didn't know what I needed. But exactly. I brought in the, eventually I figured out you need the 501c3 number and a little letter from the organization you're doing it with. So I provide that to whoever runs the food drive. And it's not as scary as it may sound. Well, again, back to the system. You've created a system with it. Yeah. Uh, that's it what, that's what you've done, Emily. Yeah. All right. So you, so you've got all this now you, 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 somebody wants to, let's get to the steps here. So you, they register. What happens then? Uh, next you have to write a letter, of course, to staple on your bag. So it might explain what you're doing. Um, I have statistics about the hungry in mine. And who's the, who's the letter to Emily? Your neighbors. So you're going to write a letter to your neighborhood. Just explaining who you are, what you're doing, and you're going to ask for food from a certain date to a certain date, and then you let them know where to drop it off if they'd like to drop it off. So do do you give them an option that they can drop it off or or that you'll pick it up? Yes. So I always give a date that I'm picking it up, but then I also give about two weeks for them to drop it off in case they're on vacation or they forget about it or any other circumstance they might have. Yeah, because people are busy. Yeah, people are busy and they forget stuff. I've yeah, found right. that. Yeah, they're living their life. They're living their life and things yeah. happen, clearly. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen that when people say that. You know, I can see that. People say, oh, do you remember that food drive? I no, I forgot. Let me, let me get that for you. But yeah. yeah. Okay, so go ahead. Okay, next. This is where a parent is typically needed or someone who can drive. Mm-hmm. Um, you go around to each house and you collect the bags on the date you had specified previously on your letter. So they should leave their bags on their porch and you go pick it up and take it home. And we always leave ours in our garage, but wherever's easiest for whoever's running it. Makes sense. Yes. And then finally, um, you bring it to your food bank and they'll weigh it. Most of them do. And then you can write your thank you notes to your neighbors and pass them out. Cause it's always nice to have a little conclusion to it. So they know how much you raised. And if you do it the next year, they'll be happier with the year before if they know what they did the year that year. Right. So you inform them what their donation did. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a big deal to people to be involved in something like that. It absolutely is because you're collecting not only important items, you're important collecting all this food, but you're distributing it to people who really badly need it. Yeah. And so it gets into the system. Now, at that point now with the new system, though, of the organization, who's making the determination of where to bring the food? It's completely up to whoever's running it. Because- it, that way, it's to, like it's totally theirs, and I'm giving them a system to do things. Okay. They have complete control over if they want to do it with us. It's my goal isn't again to raise the most food, which of course it is, but that's not the core reason. It's to give these leadership skills to kids. All right, so that's interesting. So I like this. Uh, you got a couple of things happening here. The leadership skills to the generation, to the next generation, are so vitally important. And Emily, that's where I I want to suggest to you. And with your knowledge and your, your enthusiasm now, 
uh, about this and what you've learned, I mean, front porch leaders could definitely become that organization that provides that guidance and leadership to the next generation, you know, which yeah. is why I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, teaching some of them what these numbers and stats and figures are or what's happening out there in the world, you know, so they're informed. Yeah. Right. And, and, that, and that's vitally important, I think. And so as you're informing them now, what I'm wondering now, though, back to the food drive part of it, that, that is one part of Front Porch Leaders. And it sounds like that will go on because that was the impetus that created all this, right? Yeah. That's where it started. Now, as Molly, I believe you said Molly is taking this over now. She's uh, eight or nine, ten years old, I believe. Nine, ten, I believe. Okay. And she's going to start doing that. And you've been teaching and training her. Is that right? Yeah, she's on my neighborhood swim team, so I, and she goes to the school I work at, okay. so I see her very, very often. And so why not find more Mollies at this point for front porch leaders, if that's the game plan? I mean, there, there's got to be a lot more Mollies out there and more Emilies, no? There definitely are, but I just find that I'm going away now, and I want to get it solidified. I'm, my goal is always to get it as perfect as possible before I expand it a little bit further. So it's my first time mm-hmm. having someone else do it. Right. I'm give it to 10, 20 people. I want this one to work out. And when will she be doing it, by the way? November. This November. Okay, cool. This will be the first one that's different and outside of the ones you've been doing. Yeah. So okay. So I'm to see how the neighborhood reacts because it's been me for 12 years or eight right. years. Right, right. Yeah, I always, I always think of, uh, you know, your grandmother and it was through church that she kind of got involved that, you would think that, you know, if you're in a church community, that there's kids, of course, in every church. And, and a lot of kids want to do well, as good, do good things for others. That, you know, going in, if your church is, say, the Catholic church, that there's multiple Catholic churches in the area. And you can kind of work through the youth yeah. to kind of expand this to even get into more neighborhoods throughout, you know, Cary or, you know, Apex or Wake County or wherever it may be. So this becomes more like a, a movement. Yeah. You know, than just a, a small concentrated area. That's I, it. I did forget to mention that we actually had a family from our church run it in Holly Springs, which is a much smaller neighborhood, so it wasn't as successful as big, I guess. It was successful, um, which is why I just completely forgot to mention it. But yeah. again, it's a, it, right, because like to get the movement to expand further, right, you could do it either through churches or through the Y if you're at the YMCA yeah. or some other organizations because parents, Mm-hmm. are always out there looking for kids to do good things. Exactly. I mean, la- remember Malcolm last, uh, when we had uh, Rodney on, right? Um, when he posted it on Facebook, it was like all the parents were coming out. Yes, I'd love That's to right. have my kids cut grass yeah. for people who can't. Yeah. And this is probably the exact same thing. Is It's kind of a mission, you know, that I, I really believe that a lot of kids would want to do and get involved in. And, you're, and just like yourself when you were young, you felt like, okay, they don't think I can do it. I'm only nine or I'm only 10. But in reality, they're very capable. Yeah. You know, I, I'm looking right now at your website, uh, Front Porch Leaders. Kids can make a difference and we're about to prove it. See how. Now, I like that message. I like the neighborhood sort of thing you got looking there. Uh, and of course, get involved, our success about us. Uh, and you say here, kids are full of passion, optimism, and energy, yet they are often restricted by age limits for making a meaningful difference as volunteers. The goal of Front Porch Leaders is to create projects that provide kids of all ages the opportunity to make a large, measurable impact within their communities. 
So as we're talking about this now, as we all are discussing, friends, uh, let's let let me put out a couple of thoughts to Emily now. Uh, so, and, and I just want to talk to you a moment, Emily, as far as how we can expand this, or what really this becomes, what Front Porch Leaders is. And you've mentioned now a couple of times the mechanism involved in the drive to help the next generation out, to help the kids out. That I I'm guessing that's a passion of yours, right? Yeah, it is. That seems to be a driving mechanism in you. And and I think that's cool. And by the way, I'm, as I look at these couple of photographs on your front page of your site, uh, on your front page, your homepage, yeah. down near the bottom, those two photographs, you're in that picture there, do I assume? Yes. Okay. I'm on the, on the right on both of them. And Kevin, as you were saying with the kids, um, you know, uh, touch a minute on the, uh, uh, I know the way you're thinking, buddy, is, and it's so accurate. How do we make systems into this and get more people involved? And, you know, the way she's got the lessons out there or the five steps and how to create a food drive, I have to tell you in, in full disclosure to all of you, I did not know how simple it was. Simple meaning hard work, not simple meaning no work, people, <laughs> because it would be hard work to do it, but simple as far as the steps really involved to be able to create a measurable difference. This would be for anybody. There's no age factor on creating a successful food drive. I think you would agree with that, Emily. I mean, you can do it when you're 10. You can do it when you're 12, 15, 20, 25, 30. There is no age limit. I mean, you can do a food drive at any age, right? Yeah. If I remember right, Kevin, Andy Ladner early on, I think he put it on social media, if I remember correctly. And, and he got a whole ton of responses from social media, correct? He, he sure did. He won that, like, had the Guinness Book of World Records for, like, See? you know, food drives. See, Kev? And, and, he, and he's actually in Carrie as well. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And, and, and the thing about it, Kevin, is he didn't, he didn't go door to door because that's really hard work. Back, I was visualizing the kid with the wagon. And I visualized that easy because although she had the, the SUV with, the, with, the, with her mom and all. Sometimes it's a church that just has like a, a sign up yeah. saying that they're going to have a food drive. And people would just come from all over because they drive by that you know, sign every day. That's right. um, there's a way to expand this a lot further and really get kids involved. You could really put this out there on a national scale, potentially, or certainly a regional scale, Kevin, you know? I think so. I mean, yeah, I agree. like I said, this is like a movement that can happen that exactly. kids involved and actually collect a lot of food for a lot of people who need it. Emily, does that make sense? That's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So if anything, I hope we have given you a little bit of passion uh, and enthusiasm and optimism, maybe. Yeah, I mean, 100%. you have plenty yourself. You have lots of it. And I love the story about Grandma Kathy, and, and I'm sure she'll hear this, and hopefully she'll smile when she does hear it um, and realize that her impact on a life, you, her granddaughter, but your life has been uh, a big success. Yeah. You know? And what you do with it next is going to be important. So I want to encourage you to um, further front porch leaders, make it into a real educational tool. And you can even put different tips and ideas and thoughts online on your website and start to educate the generation with even just blogs and stories and columns and articles and post different things to the generation that speaks to folks, Emily, and gets them involved. You know, yeah, that's awesome. I would love to do that. There's a lot of things you could do and develop that. I mean, clearly, and I mean, the site's a beautiful site that you've got here, love. I mean, it's a nice looking site, you know, with front porch leaves. Did you create it? Uh, my dad and I did. He's actually a graphic designer. He did good. He did good. And you did good. 
Yeah. So you did it with them? Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And it looks great. So Kevin, you see anybody can do anything, right? Yes. I mean, she was, I get, I'm just still staggered that at a nine year old or 10 year olds thinking about helping others. And, and once given that opportunity, she jumped at it. And then it was just this burning desire inside that she could do more. And that just because she was nine or 10, that didn't stop her that decided that she was going to do it. And she actually went out and created this organization. I mean, I, I mean, I haven't even created a nonprofit. And I know, Malcolm, you want to create a nonprofit. So uh, she's further ahead than we are. <laughs> well, she had the inspiration to uh, set it up once she realized what she wanted to do. And uh, that she could, and that's, and that's a good thing. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, we've discovered, you and I have over a period of time here, Kevin, that a lot of the beautiful people we've had on the brink of greatness uh, have created these wonderful not-for-profits. And I have elevated that with our Brink Charities link, uh, as you know, Kevin, on the website, you know? Yep, exactly. Uh, we want to elevate and, and get people to help people. It's a win-win attitude, which really what life should be about, friends. I mean, it's about getting people to help other people. Uh, and once we do that as a community, uh, as a people, uh, we can impact humanity in a significant way. Um, well, listen, let me just, uh, just give big uh, kudos again out here uh, to Emily Kuska here and uh, say that uh, Front Porch Leaders is a tremendous success. And uh, we hope that it becomes something more and something bigger uh, in the years ahead that she uh, takes it to uh, another level as she develops her own career and what she's going to do. And what a beautiful time when you're 18 years old anyways and you're trying to figure out where you want to be in the world. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, you get the whole world and life in front of you. And uh, it's a great lesson for all kids, everybody out there. I, I want to suggest to you there. Uh, friends, the brink of greatness is an incredible place full of great stories. And people that are on the front lines like Emily, uh, that are doing awesome things out there. And there are so many cool people on the planet that are doing good things. You just don't hear about it on the six o'clock news, but you'll hear it at America Out Loud for sure. And you'll hear it at the brinkofgreatness.com, friends. Uh, so join us there, brinkofgreatness.com. And of course, at America Out Loud, you can get our apps on Android, Apple, or Alexa. And of course, this show plays Saturday and Sunday in the mornings there, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can hear it anywhere in the world on, on those apps or iHeartRadio. You can hear it on many networks. All the connective points are on the website there, friends. Uh, we welcome you always to join us and uh, the brink of greatness can only happen when you're willing to push beyond the boundaries and limitations that are holding you back. What's holding you back, friends? Remember to take the next leap forward. Mm -hmm.